0: Exhausting, isn't it? Trying to keep tabs on what's in, what's out, what's in, what's over. I uh, saw this week somebody, my wife, forwarded this uh, thing to me. Did you know that for sale today on Nordstrom.com are wireless AirPod straps? Have you seen this? You can pay $60 for straps for your wireless. Yeah, some of you just getting this. We've already been here, folks. We got away from this, and they're inviting you back in for the low, low price of $60. Uh, it's exhausting to be ahead of the curve, and you're never sure, and then it like, comes back and circles around, and you're like, oh, I still own that. They're in my closet somewhere. I can't believe that that's back. It's amazing. Um, have you, have you ever been uh, in a situation where you've been guilt hyped into watching something or reading something because it feels like because you're, you're trying to kind of stay with it and you're trying to you know be at least relevant, seemingly relevant. You're, you're like a 20 30 something's trying to stay like within the I don't know whatever. I felt like I had to watch The Irishman this week on Netflix. Uh, there were just too many people who had watched it. And right now, some of you are going, I, what's an Irishman? See? And I'm like, what? You haven't seen the Irishman yet? And right, see, I'm doing this to you right now. I'm guilt-hyping you into this. I've got your evening covered now uh, and tomorrow's evening. And then the next night, you're that evening covered uh, as well. Um because here's what it is: it's like this short, really quick, like almost like a TED talk on The Sopranos. Uh, basically, it's, uh, Sopranos in a nutshell. If that nutshell is a four-hour-long movie that probably should have been an hour and a half, uh, that's what this is. I was also guilt-hyped into watching uh, recently uh, the oh, The Watchmen. Have you heard of this? The Watchmen is like a comic book-turned um, movie movie thing, or or what do they call those? Not comic books. They are. Uh, Graphic novels, thank you. A graphic novel into this, and apparently it was a TV show, but the TV show didn't do that well. And then it was a movie, and that kind of didn't. But then HBO got it, and now it's now it's supposedly like awesome. And so, I felt like I needed to watch this because there's this guy that I like listened to his podcast on pop culture, and I, I for the most part really like the things that he recommends. You know, those are hard to find sometimes as people. And he was like, best show I've ever seen, right? And uh, so I'm like, oh wow, if Knox likes it, I probably should. Watch this thing, and uh, so Kylie is not interested. She wisely chooses to go to bed, and she says, "Just let me know how it is tomorrow." So, I watch an episode, and uh, she she goes, "How was it?" I'm like, "Whoa, this is something for sure, right?" And then, because um, I was like, "I don't know if I get this," and then uh, like the next week, I, she's like, "Same thing. You Watch a show. I'm going to bed. You let me know how it is." So then the next day, I watch it. And I'm like I'm falling asleep. I'm like, I, "She's like, it, how is it?" I'm like, "I." Don't think I get it. I don't know. I'm 36 now. Maybe that's part of it. I'm not sure. Like I don't understand it. I don't like it, and I think I should like it. And I'm falling asleep. And I and I and I don't. I don't understand any of this. And by the way, like I've never read the comic books because I'm not a nerd, and I I don't remember the movie (laughs) at all. And so I never saw any of that. I'm not coming at, at it with anything, and it feels like it feels like lost 2.0 where there's just too many open ended things and there's no closure for me and i need a little bit of closure in my life anyways i'm saving you from watching the show but the idea being like i i living with this like sense of i think i should like this but i don't what do you do when you're supposed to like something but you don't really like this uh, and the question then becomes do i like this <clears throat> or do i like the idea of being somebody who likes this if you're re- if like we're honest with ourselves do i actually like this or do I like the idea of being somebody who likes this? Um, do I really like this book? Or do I want the appearance of somebody who likes reading Pride and Prejudice, right? Or Wuthering Heights or whatever book it is? Or do I really like cigars? Or do I like the idea of being somebody who likes cigars and the entire time I don't like it? Or whatever. I mean, I don't know what it is for you, but like, there are things in life where we're like, I think I'm supposed to like this. I'm supposed to like the Seahawks who play tonight. Do I really like them? I really like them. I genuinely do. But I'm saying that there's a lot of people like, yeah, football, right? And you're like, you don't really like them. It's okay. You don't have to like the things that we all like, but we like the idea of being somebody who likes the Seahawks or whatever it is. Um, This has been a series called On the Road, uh, and it's been looking at um, some of the writings of a guy. Uh, named uh, Augustine. Uh, he wrote a book called Confessions. He wrote several books, but he lived in the fourth century. So, 1600 years ago, he is a theologian, thinker, philosopher who, who writes uh, most notably Confessions, which is his kind of like expose, exposing his soul. Like, an, uh, if you think of a confession, like meeting with somebody and being like, oh, so here's what I did, here's what I did. It's him doing that, but like writing it down in book, in book format and then like publishing it so that people would have it. It became, it's, Arguably the second most influential book in shaping Western spirituality, Uh, aside from New Testament scriptures, it would be this. Um, So it's it's had a huge influence, and it's a chance for us to kind of look at this. And he asks so many questions, and and he walks through his life. And and he does so in such a way that it feels like, it feels, even though it's 1,600 years ago, like the world has changed so much, but there's so much of the human psyche involved in this. Like it it has some value for us, I think, in reading through this. And so we've been on the road with St. Augustine. We've been learning what it means to be on the road, to have in summary, um, restlessness, a restless hearts, this is his big synopsis, is restless hearts and misguided loves. I'm restless. I find my, he goes, I've, I've had all the success. I've, I've moved. I've, I've, I've had jobs that are influential. I moved to Milan. I worked for the emperor. I mean, I've gotten money. I've gotten influence, fame, all of the things that people want, and I'm still like, yeah, but there's something missing. And he's, and he's writing this and he's going, if you if you have ever lived your life long enough to be like, I you know I'll be happy when I get this, move here, get this, marry her, whatever. And then you get that and you think, ah, oh, not here, but next. That's restlessness. And then misguided loves is this idea of I've taken things that are good and I've tried to make them ultimate, and then I, I like ruin them in the process. And he's like, my life has been this pattern. He's and he's re- recollecting for us this pattern of of restlessness and 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 just ruining things based on you know putting too much weight on something and then watching it crumble. And then, and then we read this sixteen hundred years later, and be like, we kind of do this. Like that makes sense to us too. And so he has this thought on. Do I like this or do I like the idea of this? Especially when it comes to this education piece for him, right? He was very well-educated. He, His mom and dad, his dad didn't care anything about him other than I want to raise up a son who I can point at and be like, that's my son. He's got all these accolades and you know he's famous and he's written all these books. He's like, my dad didn't want anything from me. There's no relationship there. He just wanted to have you know, be responsible for having birthed me, right? That's the, and, and, and so it was constantly, I didn't ask him for anything, um, and, and yet he came through with education. My mom cared about it too. She's like, I don't care what you do. Just go to college, go to college, go to college. We've seen this. This is not unlike 1,400 years later, right? Um, and so he, he realized uh, along this education path, do I really want to learn this or do I want the credentials of having learned this? Do I really want to learn this or do I want numbers that, or letters that go after my name that says so-and-so is qualified for this? If you've ever talked to somebody who went into, you know, like for an accounting degree because they thought that they wanted to do this, and then they like, I hate Excel, I hate numbers, I hate I hate this, I want to do something different, but I, I did this because I thought this is what I needed to do, this is what my dad did, or this is what I felt compelled to do. Or when I was looking at job lists, this was, had the mo- most available jobs. I want to be hireable. The goal is to go to college because college makes me hireable. Not necessarily that I would actually learn anything that would be of importance to me and knowledge to me. So then he answers this question, what do I want when I really want? And that's been the truth for this series, like all kinds of what do I want when I want to be free? What do I want when I, I, I want to um, belong somewhere? And for this one is what do I want when I want to be in the know? I want to be in the now. I want to have this education. I want to be the I want to be the guy in the clip, you know, who's starting these things. We have this like weird desire to be in front of things, to be in front, not to not to lag behind or get told what to do, but to like to have some sort of a, use the education process to be kind of smarter than the rest, to be above board, to be kind of first in this and and. Um, to be above our peers in this way, and it's not just competitiveness, it's so, it's like it goes beyond that. He would write this, my studies, this is Augustine Confessions chapter three, my studies, which were deemed respectable, had the objective of leading me to distinction as an advocate in the law courts where one's reputation is high in proportion to one's success in deceiving people. This is how you get good. You convince people that you know what you're talking about even when you don't. That's what the goal is for me. That's what the goal's been for you. You're like, I'm underqualified, but I got this degree that says I am, but I really don't feel comfortable in this. If somebody hires me, I don't know what I'll do, but I'll figure it out. Like I'm smart enough to figure this thing out. But I graduated from this and I used education simply as a means to get to the place that I wanted to be. And he really didn't want an education per se. He wanted to be hireable, and it feels like a very, very modern problem. He, does, he designated, he comes up with his own Latin term for this, uh, curiositas. He says, this is the type of learning in this direction. Here's the definition for you, knowing solely for the sake of knowing or knowing for the sake of being known as somebody who knows. He downplays, he says, it's not real knowledge. It's not, it's not true knowledge. You don't really know why you do this. You know what the answers are to the test so that you can pass the test. And a week from now, all you did was like, memorize, you associated words with other words, and you don't really know that that's how, how this plays out. You just know that that's what the teacher wants from you, and so that's what you're going to do. That kind of knowledge is curiositas knowledge, kind of a baseline knowledge. Augustine, like us, knew people were wise beyond their years. Some people he knew never went to school, and yet they're the smartest people I know. You've got friends like that, relatives like that, parents like that. Like your dad or whatever, is like the smartest guy you know, and he didn't go to college, and he's like, but he's just like he's just wicked smart, and he's got all this whatever, and, and there, he, he's like, there's a difference though between street smarts and and, and book smarts. And we know that, and he, he's like, it goes beyond that though. There's like another level of this. He would recognize the big problem for Augustine is that he re- realized that this bled over into what he believed religiously. So I know this works in the field of education, and he's and he's saying, I realize I've carried some of this over into what I believe spiritually about things. This kind of ego of wanting to be first or wanting to know or not really knowing to know but just to get by also relates to how I think about spiritually and what I believe religiously. Early on in his professional career, he fell in with this religious sect uh, called Manicheans and, and basically they're the rationalists of the day. They were the smart group. It was, it was um, we, we've kind of evolved, we've, we've reached a new level of understanding. If you wanna be like us, this is great. They were the, Their books were the New York Times bestsellers. Um, they're the ones, their, their writings, if there was a Barnes and Noble that existed 1400 years ago, their books would be the ones that are like facing forward instead of facing like the, with the binding showing to you. They'd be like, you need to buy this one. This one's really good. These ones, like whatever, if you're looking for it, it's here. But these ones are, are worth reading. And by the way, when you read it, you're only going to understand about 50% of it, but there's going to be an expectation that you act like you understand about 100% of it. You ever read one of those books? Sure you have. I understand about fifty percent that's being generous to myself. It has like the, the, their religion had sort of a like a big city vibe to it like well, we don't really you might not know who we are because we don't really affiliate ourselves with like Pasco, right you know what I mean like it's cool you gotta like you gotta come to like Seattle, Portland, Prosser somebody like someplace like that where it's like, oh, you're supposed to laugh at Prosser and I, I included prosser and nobody all right anyways um, like you go here and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Now you've got, yeah, thank you. Uh, now we've got this access, like, well, around here, we've kind of evolved in our thinking. That's my favorite, like, line of, of, like, this super, like, subtle, egotistical whatever. Well, we've, that's cute that you still believe in the religion handed down to your parents and that simplistic whatever. We've kind of um, evolved a little bit. We're, like, we're in the know. And that thing that you believe, that we used to believe, that's over. That's so over, right? We are now we pride ourselves in being in the know. We pride ourselves in an advanced level of knowledge. That there's an access to the divine. And we might not call God because we're too progressive for that. There's an access to that, that that we've kind of figured out. And you know, if you want to follow along with us, then and you're you're welcome to do so. Augustine would later write a letter to a younger friend about the psychology of attraction from the inside. He, he, he recognized uh, that one of his students, one of his uh, mental, mentees or whatever, um, had followed him into this religious sect, and he kind of felt a responsibility to him. He had, Augustine had got in, gotten in, right, and then began to ask too many questions, and they weren't getting answered, and he just finally got out of that, but he felt bad because there was a responsibility left for this kid. And so he, in, in one of his uh, letters, The Advantage of Believing your Books, he writes this letter to him, kind of talking him through um what he believes took place for him and his understanding of why he fell in with this religious sect. And he wrote, there's nothing easier, the dear friend, than to say that one has discovered the truth. There's nothing more tempting than to say, well, now I've discovered the truth. And I know it feels like, yeah, but that's kind of what you're saying now. And he's like, I get it. I'm just telling you that it's very attractive to be like, I have found the truth. We, he, he would say this, I think what happened is I fell or we fell together into the posture of believing. We wanted to be somebody who believed. We wanted to be somebody who this was advantageous to us to be in the know. They promised a way to rise above those who are held in fear by superstition. And who wouldn't be enticed by promises like that? We don't want to be somebody who's Bound by superstitious beliefs. I wanted to be something more. He would say this they found us, he likens himself in this group. They found us at an opportune time, scornful of the old wise tale told by our moms, probably, and keen to have to drink up the open, uncontaminated truth that they promised. This open, uncontaminated, legit, finally, this is finally where you can get truth. Remember that time in high school or college where you're in a class, and it's relatively new or whatever, and you've got this teacher, and it's one of those teachers you're like, okay, because you remember this too. Like Some teachers, there's just like an aura about them. They're just smart. You know that they're smart. Maybe it's something that they say, something how they dress. I don't know what it is, but you're like, I'm going to have to like actually try in this class probably, which is unfortunate because I didn't think I would. But anyways, I'm here now. And they start talking, and somebody behind you, around you, raises their hand because they feel like their religious faith or some of their religious doctrines are being challenged. And they are like, yeah, but well, um, how about... And they spout off some like doctrine that they kind of got handed to them from their parents probably, and one that they probably don't have all that conviction holding themselves. And the teacher pauses, and there's an awkward pause in the class, right? And this is CBC or Wazoo or whatever you're at, right? And it's like, and you know what's coming next. Like there's a little smirk on the teacher's face, and there's a long pause, and it's awkward. And then the teacher proceeds to kind of explain away through really rational thoughts and poke bubbles in the idea balloons of all of the different things. Well, you thought this, but this is, have you, you know, I don't know if you've read any of Plato, or I don't know if you've any, if you know who Socrates is, but actually what he said, and that, that, uh, that creation story actually comes from this Gilgamesh creation story that's an ancient civilization, blah, 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 and you're like, Oh, man. In your mind, you think to yourself, I'll never raise my hand in this class ever again. That's what you say. Like, I just make a conviction of myself never to do this. And then secondly, all of a sudden, there's like this seed of doubt, and you kind of want to be known as somebody who doesn't believe all of that and believes whatever he or she is teaching, or there's like a credit that you give to this person. There's like a something about, now I'm going to choose to begin to doubt my own beliefs and be like question everything that I have. And that's that can be a very healthy piece of discovering who you are. Augustine just wants to make a note of how there's an attraction thing that goes on on the inside of this. Because what's being offered is, you don't have to believe all that stuff. You can come, be like us, free thinkers. You can come and be a part of like a group of people who are thinking rationally about what they do. And Augustine would say, that's... I. Let me tell you, let me pull back the curtain a little bit and and address two things that are happening here. Number one, if you're taking notes, there is a relationality to plausibility. And what that means is we tend to associate what's plausible with what we think about the perception that we have of the people who hold the beliefs that they hold. Um, So for us, sometimes we look at the. uh, belief systems of people that we don't want to be like, and we don't want to be like them. And so we reject the belief system, and we accept the belief system from people who act like what we want to be like. So it's not necessarily our intellect. It's our desire to be in a category of people who are in the know. This is what we believe. He's Augustine's pulling this back going, you try and relegate this down to just, well, this is just this, this is just the smart thing. This is what the facts dictate. Well, maybe, but you tend to be a little bit more malleable than you think. You think I'm doing this based solely on thinking. And Augustine would say, you don't. In fact, none of us do. All of our what we think is plausible. And he would go on later at the very beginning of the series. I mentioned, his goal in this Confessions and in all of his writings, even when he was the bishop in a city called Hippo and trying to teach his people these sermons, is to make Christianity plausible for somebody like you. And we've kind of taken on that mantle unofficially. When we meet, well, our, my goal in creating an environment like this and the way that I talk and do this is to try and convince you that Christianity is plausible for somebody like you living in 2019 with a family that you have, with the job that you have, with the kids that you have, with the future that you have, with the finances that you have, all of this. Is it plausible for somebody like me? And he would say, listen, your level of plausibility is conditional so much, and you don't recognize it. You think you're just smart enough, like it's all about intellect, but you don't understand how, how relational it is, how much it's affected by somebody. You believe that, you think it's because of your intellect, but because of him or because of her and their attractional level of perhaps you being included with them. We decide that something doesn't make sense when we no longer want to be associated with the people who believe it, or a light goes on and we see something after we've spent some time hanging around people who believe it. The reality of life, at least Augustine's argument for it in terms of our belief systems, is that rationality turns out to be a lot more malleable than we would guess. And the second point he would say is to Augustine, everybody believes somebody. Everybody believes someone. It's not facts necessarily. What it is is the interpretation of facts by people who we say, well, we want to be like them. They seem smart. Everyone believes somebody. Trust is the oxygen of human society. And believing the testimony of others is the very heart of the scientific enterprise. Everything you believe is because a trust of somebody. Well, I trust these science textbooks when they say this. I trust this. I trust the pastor. I trust... Certain people who say it, because after all, they're credentialed, they're qualified. Look at what they've done. I trust him with what he says about the future of the market because he drives a Lexus. I mean, you know, what do you do? I'm going to take financial... This is why you don't take financial advice from your brother-in-law who drives a beat-up Toyota Corolla. And he's like, well, I think this is the market. And you're like, well, buddy, look what you're driving, look what I'm driving. How about you take care of you first, right? It's not based on the facts of his knowledge. You look at him and be like, I just... Don't think I trust you. That's okay. That's, that's absolutely true. And Augustine would say, be careful because it bleeds over into your religion. A lot Oftentimes, with religion, we, we would say, well, it's going to be a completely rational endeavor. and different. He's like, it's not. Nothing in life is. Everybody believes somebody. The question is, who are you going to believe? And if you don't trust other people, then the option that culture kind of throws at us is you can believe the only person you can really truly trust is you. So the you inside of you, and Augustine would be quick to say, listen, you can't be your own level of enlightenment. You can't be the most trustworthy, despite what Elsa might tell you in Frozen this weekend in the movies, like you should take an automatic distrust of you. You're biased towards you. You're limited by your own rational experiences. You cannot be your own enlightenment. He would write this in one of his messages to preach. You cannot be your own light. You simply can't. We are all in need of enlightenment. We are not the light. And the case that religion would make for that is that you can't be, at least the case, excuse me, that Christianity would present is that you cannot be your own light. But that light, that we are not left in the dark, but that light has come. In fact, so John, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, one of the gospel writers Um, one of Jesus' closest disciples, by the way, and we just finished up the series where we looked at like his life and and so much of that. Just this once, if you go to our talks page, you can find that there. But um, John, in an effort to kind of provide his level of the story of the life and teaching of Jesus. Remember, Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already been written, and it would be like 20, 30, 40 years after those had already been published and out there that John would take it upon himself to provide his perspective. Why do you feel like you need to add your perspective, John? Well, because I knew some things about Jesus that were like only on the inside. That I'm not going to focus on the timeline. I'm going to tell a story about about who he was. And in his ver- v- uh, version of his story, he starts it off with what theologians call the prologue. It's a set of verses at the very beginning that's going to summarize the rest of it. I'm about to tell you the history. I'm about to go into, and then Jesus went here, and then he went into the desert, and then he got baptized, and then he got, you know, blah, 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 blah. All of those things that happen before I do that, let me start off with this thing. And in, in John chapter one, verse one is this big expansive, in the beginning was the word. He like, he like rips back through Genesis, takes the Genesis thing of, in, in, in the beginning was the heaven, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And, he, and he, he takes this and he goes, in the beginning was the Logos, the word. In the beginning was this divine, and he steals this Greek term, the Logos, he, this divine order, this divine being, whatever you want to call it. We would call it God because that's our terminology, but that has lots of different connotations to it. But he would say, in the beginning was this, whatever it is that you believe about a heavenly father or whatever. In the beginning was the word, and what I'm about to tell you is that word became flesh and dwelt among us, that God made himself known through a person, and we can now have clarity about what he wants from us and who he is and how he loves us based on the teachings of Jesus. So before I tell you what he did, you need to understand the significance of who Jesus was that is all included in this prologue of John. And then in verse nine, this is the verse I'll focus on. He would say this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. In other words, he's saying, listen, even even when he came, there were people who based on the way that he came, rejected him. And why would they reject him? Because they acted like they did not know him. There was something about who he was and what he taught that did not jive with them. And Augustine would say, it's interesting. I think it's because in human nature, we like this idea of achievability, within, especially within life, but especially within the area of religion." We like to think that we earned something, that we did something, that we were good enough for God to love us. And the scandal of Christianity, according to Augustine, is that we did nothing to do that. He came on his own accord. He came because he looked at us and said, You can't get here from there. I'll come to you. I'll come to you. This week and over the next couple of weeks, you're going to get little Christmas cards in the mail. And some of them are going to like have trees with snow on them and sleds, and some of them are going to have Santa Claus. And then your religious friends are going to send you ones that have like Isaiah prophecies on them, right? And, and, and like churchy things on them. And one of those cards is going to say "Emmanuel." And you've heard this, and it's even in some of the songs that we'll sing, carols, Christmas carols that are going to be on the radio or sung at church or whatever. And one of them is "Emmanuel." And we know that what that what that means is it was a name given to Jesus that is translates into "God is come." God is come through the person of Jesus, this is why we celebrate it, that God has come. That he came to us because there's no way that we could get to him. So when we sing this, this is what we're celebrating. At Christmas time, we're not celebrating his birthday, okay? Because here's the significance of that, like, or the lack of significance. Like, we've all been born. Like, that's not really all that significant. Uh, we. If it's your birthday, that's great, but like that's that's so small. It's so whatever. The significance of Christmas is that God took on human flesh and made Himself known and came to us, and His grace was made available to any and all. And it's not because Jews at that time had done enough to reach some sort of quota, and then a bell was rung in heaven. We're like, finally, it's time. They've earned it. Let's go down. He would say he came even when we didn't deserve it. And that's tough sometimes for people like me and like you who look at it and want things to be achievable because we like to be in the know and we like to be a little bit ahead of the curve. And we like the idea of, being, of Christianity being open and acceptable to all people, but we also like it to be like, but especially for Brent because he's done so much. But especially for you, because you've lived a really good. It's fine for everybody. That's great. But like special accolades here. He would be writing. Uh, he 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 uh, describes this scenario. Augustine again back to him. He describes the scenario. Where he's struggling with believing in Christianity, and one of the big hurdles for him is this idea of. Um, accessibility for everybody. Here's what he says. What is wrong with us? What is this that you've heard? Uneducated people are rising up and capturing heaven. Is it because they're ahead of us that we are ashamed to follow? Him and his intellectual friend are sitting there going, what is it about it? There are people who are uneducated. Uneducated folk are accessing this religion. And is it because they're in that it makes me not want to be in? Is it because they're ahead of us that I'm so reluctant to then sign on for this? Because I want it to be more of a challenge. I want it to be something more than it is. I want this to be difficult. I want to get somewhere, look back, and say, I did it. I want to climb a mountain that like is tough. That when I get to the top, I can look over the edge and be like, "This is what I did." I want to build something. I want to build a career with my life. I want to I, I, I want to um, be on, on a football team with a winning record to look back at a calendar. And be like, this is this is how we did. We did really really good. This is great. He's like, I, and, and I can carry this. I can carry this into this exclusivity into my religion, and I can make it all about learning and wanting to be ahead. And 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 uh, what do I want when I want to be in the know? I, I do this in so many different areas of my life, and if I'm if I'm unaware about it, I can it can bleed over into how I think about God and what I think about religiously, and I can fail to understand the reality that is of, of that my belief systems are all kind of relational anyways, and I can think I got there because I'm smart. Well, the reason I believe Christianity because I'm just smart, and it can. it can be especially difficult, Augustine would say, for those who struggle with this pride and arrogance. We wanna make it attainable, but not too attainable. We wanna make it something that can be earned, something that can be learned. We want it to be accessible through discipline, through intellect, and through influence. We wanna be able to think our way to salvation, and it can be able to then, as a result of that, to congratulate ourselves on arrival. So when the scandal of Christianity that we celebrate at Christmas is that Jesus has come, we're like, well, that seems too easy. That seems too open and available. I would prefer that I got there through discipline and through hard work. And Augustine would say, yeah, but like, look at that. Look at what that does for you. Let me hold up a mirror to you. Are you frustrated that... Other people, uneducated people are rising up and capturing heaven. Are you frustrated? Are you too ashamed to follow because of this? At Christmas, we celebrate the fact that Jesus has come and offers grace to sinners like us, like every single one of us. May we be this type of people who do not who are not concerned about being in the know when it comes to our faith and our religious principles and what we believe about God. Maybe we realize how shallow that is in every arena, for sure, but in this area specifically, because we can make God something to be achieved and something that we can earn and work at. And Augustine would say, Jesus' grace is nothing like that. It is open invitation to any and all. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is that you would allow some of this to be able to sink into our hearts and into our minds because uh, uh, we like to think that we've done things, like kind of built it ourselves, pull ourselves up uh, up by our bootstraps. We we, we like achieving. We like... um, feeling our sense of worth oftentimes comes by what we do and what we've done and what we think. And in this area of beliefs, um, we know that we give ourselves more credit (laughs) than we probably do. Um, So our prayer is that This Christmas, as we see the word Emmanuel or sing the words of God is come, may that stand out to us as a reminder of the significance and the scandal of Christianity. That is, that we could not get there from where we're at. You had to come get us. May we celebrate that this Christmas. Give us the wisdom to know what that looks like in our life, the courage to act on it. In your name, Amen.